Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. The reason that we talk about the relationship, uh, the lived experience of relationship with Jesus as a conversation is because it's a two-way dynamic. It's two-way. It's like a conversation. It's kind of like a dance. It's interactive. Um, Just as a bit of a recap for the story, given this is the the third week and what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, to refresh your minds if you were sleeping or if you weren't here, in the first week we looked at uh, verses 1 to 15 and so the story goes that Jesus was travelling from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north and he goes through Samaria in the middle of the two even though most of the Jews used to make a detour around Samaria uh, which is telling in itself that he goes to the places that people expect not to be seen and he goes to the places where people expect not to be seen and when he's there he connects with a woman uh, who was on the margins of society both through choice and through circumstance. And despite the fact that her shame caused her to hide out on the margins, he makes the first move in pursuing connection with her, persevering past her walls to strike up a conversation with her about living water, the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God who Jesus offers to all those who believe in him to make a way to live life in full connection with him. He invites us to give up the stagnant water of disconnection from the walled-off margin and there find nourishment for our lives through the flowing water of the Holy Spirit. And he shows us that no one is beyond his gaze. He, He sees each of us and he makes this offer to us indiscriminately. Last week, we looked at how Jesus continues this conversation with the woman, showing that not only does he see her, But one level deeper, he knows her. In the middle of talking about knowing, at the beginning he shows that he knows her and at the beginning he shows that he wants to be known by her by revealing to her that he is the Messiah, the sent one that they have been waiting for. In the middle of talking about knowing, he talks about worship, which is the way that we are designed to engage with God through knowing him and being known by him. We've said that to worship God is to orient your whole life around him, who is the only true and steadfast object of our worship. As we live our lives in such an unstable and unpredictable world, orienting our lives around Jesus is the way to find rest and peace and stability, a steadfastness because he will never fail. It's deep relationship with God, knowing and being known by him, that is the soil a life of worship grows in. So move number three in which you are seen, once connected to and engaged by Jesus, what does that mean for our lives? What flows out of that? Last week we showed that he calls us to a worship that is first of all in spirit. It's spirit-led. It's spirit-enabled. It's secondly, it's everywhere. It's worship that is disconnected from place in order that our worship of him, our lives that are oriented around him might be what he uses to carry his love to a world that so desperately needs it. It's worship in spirit and it's worship that, that's everywhere. It's also worship that's now. Open your eyes and look at the harvest. They are ripe. It's worship that is now. And fourthly, it's worship that's in truth. It's worship that is shaped by his word. This is the natural outworking 
of right worship of God. Worship in spirit everywhere, now and in truth. Let me put it this way. A candle is designed to be lit. But you don't light a candle for the sake of it. You light a candle so that it will affect its environment. Yes? So that it will light up the darkness around it. When God lights up our lives by connecting with us and engaging us, it is what we are designed for. But the purpose of the connection and engagement is bigger than just our own lives. The natural outworking of a worshipping life is to be sent. The right and fitting outworking of a worshipping life is to be sent. Sent into the darkness, shining the light of God, bringing hope, pointing people to Jesus. This is what worship in action looks like, to adopt a posture of worship by orienting your whole life around Jesus is inescapably to be sent by him into the world around you. So what we're going to look at today is what that looks like for our lives. What can we expect when we are living lives out of the sent posture of worship to God? We're going to look at two main things that will flow out of being sent as we worship. The first thing that we can expect to see is that others will experience being seen and known by Jesus. Let's just recap on verses 27 to 30 if you'll come with me. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. When I hear this, I have this really awkward movie scene in my head. So Jesus has just dropped this bombshell in verse 26, which we looked at last week, where he announces to her that he's the Messiah. This completely unexpected person that he would announce this to drops this bombshell. I, the one talking to you, I am he. And there's this, like they're having this intense moment. And then in from the side come the disciples who've just gone to get lunch. And they come in. And you know when you walk into an awkward moment with someone, you you stumble into a room, you have no idea. And then they're like, oh, I've just walked into a really awkward moment. These people are having this really intense, deep and meaningful, and you just don't know what you've walked into. And they're completely stunned. They don't say anything. They're just completely awkward. I had a really awkward moment like this a few months ago. I was walking home from shops, from the shops, minding my own business, walking down the hill, and there's this couple in front of me. My apartment building was like 10 metres away on the right. And of course, they'd been on a date, and they pull up right in the entrance to my apartment building that I needed to go past, and they were saying their farewells right in front of the apartment building that I needed to get past. And I come up to them, and I'm just like, oh, I feel like I've just stumbled into something really important, and I just need to bust through to get home. I just, just please let me through. Anyway, and so I had to like sneak in, like go into the bushes to sneak around them and get in. Anyway, so this is kind of what this moment is like. It's really awkward. And he's not like, in this day, men and women were not supposed to talk to each other on their own, let alone a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman. So it's just all very awkward and uncomfortable. Nobody knows what to do. So the woman makes the first move in this instance and gets out of there. Not because it's awkward, I don't think. But uh, having gone to the well to draw water... Uh, She leaves her water jar behind, which I think is quite telling, uh, and she goes back into town. This is the woman, remember, that had been drawing water in the middle of the day out of shame because she wants to avoid people, because she's an outcast, she's on the margin of society. She's so changed by her experience of being seen and known by Jesus 
that her priorities change. She doesn't hide from people anymore. Something else has become more important. She's had a reorientation of her life. Out of her experience with him, she simply tells those she knows to come and see for, her, for themselves. She points people to Jesus. She doesn't get in the way or make it about her. She simply points people to Jesus. Her experience with them, with, with Jesus, propels her out. A friend of mine this week was telling me about this thing called a gravity assist. And now I tell you about this with great trepidation because um, anything remotely science related is just not my forte. I just have to put that out there so that you know that about me. By way of example, when I was in year 10, we took chemistry for one term and my teacher gave me five out of 20 which included a sympathy mark for my name. So if that, if that says anything, so anyway, just please give me lots of grace as I share this with you. This, as you'll see, is an example of a thing called a gravity assist. I'm just going to read what I've written so that I can make sure I communicate it properly. <laughs> a gravity assist allows us to travel to regions outside the solar system that we wouldn't otherwise be able to travel to and at a pace that we wouldn't otherwise be able to travel the spacecraft swings through the gravitational field of a planet and uses the energy of that planet to be flung out. Do you see the connection? Have I made it clear? Good, excellent tick. This encounter that the woman has with Jesus propels her out. And the same with us, the natural output and overflow of experiencing being seen and known by Jesus propels us outwards. We're drawn in to be changed and then propelled outwards by encountering him. And what happens when she goes out? Verse 30, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. We're propelled out that others might be drawn in. It's like the light from her candle is passed on. If we, fling, if we come round to the end of the verse from verse, uh, end of this passage from verse 39, it goes on and says, "Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did." So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, "We no longer believe just because of what you said." And now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Many believed because of the woman's testimony about her experience with Jesus and then many more believed because of his words. Their relationship with Jesus deepened as they moved from hearing about him to experiencing him for themselves. As we are propelled outward by our experience of being seen and known by Jesus, we will point others to Jesus so that they too might experience him as we have. Worship fuels our participation with God, but it is also the goal of our sentness that Jesus would be exalted and recognised as king by all people everywhere. When I was um, finishing up at my job at the end of April, I went round and made a point of telling everybody that I knew personally that I was leaving and one lady I went up to and she had, uh, had an injured knee and she'd been on, on crutches and was quite unhappy about being on crutches and, and so on. Anyway, I told her that I was going to be working as a minister at my church. She couldn't get up, but she opened up her arms and wanted to give me this enormous hug because she was so excited about me and pointed out all the different spiritual things that she had going on on her desk that were there for protection or there for guidance or whatever, all these different stuff that was going on. Anyway, 
bring into that that she was really excited for me working as a pastor. And um, anyway, and then so we just started talking about God and I ended up praying for her knee. And um, side story, this was on maybe Tuesday. And then on Friday, I don't know, she wasn't completely healed, but she was off her crutches. So that was like, praise the Lord, that was good. And... um, Anyway, back to the story. That's just a really cool little tangent. And um, anyway, so then I, we got talking about God, and she was super open. And I said, oh, well, why don't we have lunch, and we can talk about it more on Wednesday, whenever it was. So we had lunch on the Wednesday, and we sat down, and just talking about God and the gospel. It was just one of these amazing divine moments. And she said to me, what difference has God made in your life? And I said to her, I feel heaps less anxious. I feel like I have a rest and a peace that I didn't have before because I know that my value doesn't depend on my, my effort, it doesn't depend on my performance, it doesn't depend on my success or my achievement. It comes because God loves me. And she said, that's what I want. I need that. <laughs> so amazing, so, so amazing. So we prayed and we're going to stay in contact with her. She's just been on holidays for a while, but I'm going to continue to track with her through that. But I just thought, oh my goodness, what an amazing moment of sharing my experience with Jesus and seeing her drawn in by, having, by illuminating him by that, by the light that he's put in me. So amazing, so, so amazing. Jesus is alive, right? Amen. Who in your life are you pointing to Jesus? Who are you sharing your experiences of him with? If no one, why not? Can I ask that? Are you looking? Are your eyes open? Do you believe that people need him? Can you see a point of need? If you're struggling with any of those points, just ask God to open your eyes. He will show you. Maybe you haven't heard about Jesus before or experienced him. And my question for you is, what do you think of what you're hearing? Do you like what you're hearing? Is it something that you want to experience? Is it something that you want to know more of? Well, if our lives of worship, our our lives of orientation toward Jesus are designed to illuminate Jesus for people, pointing them to him, what effect does it have on our lives? Now, I don't mean that to sound like a self-centered question, but I think that it's important for us to consider as we go out because, um, A, Jesus talks about it here, but also I think that a lot of the time the thought of being sent by God can be a really exhausting thought for us. Um, You want me to do another thing. You know, I've been burned out before by serving God. I don't want to do it again. I just want to keep my life of worship private. It's important to consider what, that, what, this, what effect this has on our lives. And I love that Jesus talks about it. So with the image of a candle in your mind, fulfilling both its design and its purpose in being lit and by doing so, driving back the darkness around it. Let's look at what Jesus says about the effects on us when we live sent lives of worship to God. Come with me to verses 31 to 35. Meanwhile, this is in the middle of the two Um, sections that we looked at before. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. 
There's a kind of change in scene here in the story when the the focus shifts from Jesus' interaction uh, with the Samaritan woman and moves to his interaction with his disciples after she goes back into the town. They're together on this mission to get from Judea to Galilee. And on the road in this this incredible moment serves as a beautiful illustration for something that Jesus wants to teach them. I love that at first the disciples completely miss the point because that is just like me. So it gives me great reassurance. They urged him to eat and he says he has food they don't know about and they think someone's already, someone else has already brought him lunch and got in first. But again, as we've seen time and time again over the last few weeks, Jesus is going deeper and talking about a spiritual reality. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus has been sent by God to do work, to seek and save the lost. And having done that work just now in his conversation with the woman at the well, he has been fed. There's something about participating in the work of God that nourishes and strengthens us. Now, I find this interesting because of the way that it interacts with a couple of other parts, a couple of other things that Jesus talks about being fed, ways that we are fed. He goes on in John 6 to say that he is the bread of life. And that whoever turns to him will never go hungry and thirsty. And then in Matthew 4, he says that man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The way we're fed is by being part of church and listening to sermons and reading the Bible, right? Right? But Jesus is saying here that in addition, he, and by extension us as his body today, are nourished and strengthened as we participate in the work of God in the world. Jesus was tired and hungry when he arrived at the well, but after the conversation with the woman, he seems energised and refreshed. Just as we learned earlier in the passage that his spirit is our water, we learn here that his work is our food. Doing his work in the power of the Spirit nourishes and strengthens us in our lives of faith. Participation in the work of God is what satisfies our hunger. It's what we feed off. Teaching is good and important, but so is participation in the work of God. Food is what nourishes you. It's what strengthens you. It's what gives you energy. It's what gives you focus. It's what keeps you sharp. Talk to any nutritionist or dietitian. They'll tell you about the importance of food. We need a diet that incorporates both scripture and participation in God's work. It's a natural outworking of worship, but it's not an added extra participating in the work of God. Like light from a candle, it's what comes out of a life that's been oriented around God. It's a natural overflow. It's the outworking. It's when you're operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, the living water through whom we have connection with God and by whom we worship him. This is the life we've been made for and are called to. So as we live lives of worship, lives that are a light by being oriented toward God, what happens is that we are strengthened and others come to experience the life-changing beauty of being seen and known by God. Now, it might sound like an obvious question. However, I'm going to ask it anyway. Why is this important? Why is this important? We talked last week how we live in an unstable and broken world that is full of hopelessness, grief, isolation, anxiety, fear, hatred. And God is reaching out with his light, his hope, his love, 
through us, through lives of worship lived to him. And you know what? He has no backup plan. (laughs) We're it. The church is it. We're his rescue party. We're not saved to a country club. We're saved to a rescue party. That's why it's important. We are the ones that he has chosen to send as his hands and feet to drive back the darkness through our lives of worship lived to him. Now you might say, what difference are we really going to make? The darkness is pretty dark and pretty expansive. I've tried telling people in my life about Jesus, but no one really seems interested. What's the point in trying? I think I'll just keep my light to myself. Is a candle designed to hide its light? Is a city on a hill designed to hide its light? It's not what we're designed for. It's not what we're purposed for. You were purposed to bring healing and justice and peace and reconciliation and justice driving back the darkness around you. The job is not done. Look around you. The job is not done. By the Spirit, we are called to point people to experience being seen and known by Jesus in order that the marks of the kingdom of God, peace, beauty, justice, wholeness, would start to seep into the world around us so that the darkness would be pushed back by the kingdom of light as it advances through us, through the Spirit. The fields are ripe. People like my colleague are crying out for peace and rest, for Jesus the King and his kingdom, a home in his kingdom. Did you know that God is on a mission and that you're part of it? Ever since humanity got broken all the way back with Adam and Eve, he's been on a mission to restore all things all things to himself, and he invites us to join him using our lives of worship as he does so. The Latin word missio, from which we get mission, simply means sending. Sending. We have a sending God. God the Father sends God the Son into the world to make a way for redemption, to make a way to drive back the darkness. And then God the Father and God the Son send God the Holy Spirit, the living water who applies the work of the Son to our lives so that we can experience connection and engagement with God, having our lives lit up by him. And then God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit send us. They send me, they send you. And they send us. Your life is about so much more than just you. Our church is about so much more than just our church. As we go, we participate in a story that is so much bigger than ourselves. We're swept into the glorious cosmic mission of a God who is on a mission to restore all things, to set all things right, to bring beauty from ashes to restore brokenness and bring light to the darkness. He is bringing heaven to earth. He is bringing his glorious future kingdom when one day everything will be set right. He's bringing it forward into the present so that we get a foretaste of it now. And we get to participate with him as he brings heaven to earth. 
We get to experience being involved in his working to push back the darkness by his light, the light that he has put in us. His plan is worshipping witnesses who shine like stars in the universe, who are changed by being seen and known and sent by him in order that others might be changed by being seen and known and sent by him, in order that others might be seen and known and sent by him, so that we might start to see this world look a bit more like heaven. Imagine what your home, your workplace, our church, your neighbourhood, your uni, our city, our nation, our world might look like if we said yes to this mandate on our lives. Just imagine. If we took up this mantle and said, Lord, send me, I will go. This is the life of faith in Jesus. This is conversations with Jesus. You are seen, now see. You are known, now know. You are sent, now go. Let me pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.